Well, hello, everyone. Oh, wow. Yeah, act like you won that Powerball. Come on, we in the house of the Lord. Would you be at church if you won the Powerball? Just remember to tithe off of it. Jesus loves you. It's all right. <laughs> that Learjet is coming into view. Yes. Wherever you are right now, we're so thankful you are here as we continue our series, How to Win Within. How to Win Within. And what we're walking through in this series is what if we aren't defined by broken relationships, mistakes, or broken resolutions? What if we even aren't defined by successful relationships, successful revolu- uh, resolution, revolutions, resolutions, or even defined by the success of meeting our goals? But instead, what if we were defined by Christ and who he says we are over what the world says we are. And so that's what we've been working through in this series. We've been in Romans 12, uh, and, and we're going to continue doing that a little bit today. But as we're unpacking this, we were talking about what the treasure of our heart is. What the treasure of our heart is, is where we will give our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tent or our body. And that's what Paul is talking about all the way through. So let me just say this. We were talking about this during prayer, uh, and I'm so thankful that we get to set the tone to go into the throne room of grace, how vine worship makes sure that we are in the presence of the Lord and how we are prepared for that. So I want to start off with a pastor story. If you're with me, give me an amen. You ready? We're going to talk about laying it all to the Lord and trusting him. So here's my pastor story. I don't remember where I've heard it, but I promise you it's probably circulating and you'll hear it again and again. And it's this. It says this. uh, Here's how it goes. There was a woman who, uh, she got the last can of food out of her pantry. She prayed to the Lord. She got that last can of food. It was Hormel chili. I'm just kidding. It wasn't. But she prayed to the Lord and said, Lord. Will you please, I know that you are my provider, Jehovah Jireh. I know that you are the one who will take care of me, sustain me. Will you please send a miracle to bring food for my pantry? So she prays that that night. She gets up the next morning. She says, God, thank you for today. You know that my pantry is empty, but you are my sustainer, my provider, my Jehovah Jireh. You are the one that will provide for me, so I'm praying for a miracle. I've got no money in the bank. Will you please fill my cupboard. At lunchtime, she goes, and on her, she hears a knock on the door. And when the knock on the door happens, she's got groceries for a week sitting at her front door. She goes out there and says, God did it. God did it. God showed up. He did it. And she hears a snicker from the bushes. And it's her neighbor. And he said, see, I'm an atheist. I, this is, I, I did this to show that your God isn't real, that your God doesn't answer prayer, that your God didn't do anything. Why are you praying to a God that will not provide? I went to the grocery store and brought you groceries. And the woman looks at him and said, God did it. God did it. He provided. He sustained in that. Neighbor's getting angry. He's frustrated. She, he's looking at her said, what don't you understand, woman? I bought it. It was my money. I'm the one that gave you the groceries. God didn't give you anything. Who do you think you are? And the woman with tears in her eyes, with hands wide open, said, God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. There we go. There's your pastor's story. Wherever you are right now, trust the Lord that he will provide. So here's the thing that I want to tell you. Sometimes when it happens to us, so many times don't we get caught like that? We, we like to be the neighbor in the bush, don't we? They got what they deserved. I proved them wrong, right? That's what we're going to talk about today. Where are we in that story? Are we trusting the Lord as Jehovah Jireh, as the provider, as the one who sustains us, who holds us together? 
or do we think that we have to do it in our own strength? So our anchor verse all the way through is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 9. If you want to get somewhere in your Bible, go ahead and get to Romans 12. But each and every week, we're unpacking this because the Apostle Paul sets up something that is countercultural, so important for us as we go. And it says this, verse 8 and 9, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, we say this every week, and I'm just going to lay it back out here to remind us that we don't know what Paul's weakness was. It's called a thorn in his flesh. It could have been financial. It could have been relational. It could have been partnerships that are broken. It could have been his brokenness, his shame, his guilt for who he was when he was Paul. Whatever that is, Paul says, hey, all the more in my weakness is Christ's strength fully revealed. So therefore, I will boast in my weakness. And so right now, we don't like talking about, if you look online right now, how many people talk about their weakness outside of somebody stuck in victimhood? As a matter of fact, I shared this, and we're going to talk about it even more in a moment, that a Christian psychologist put out this, that uh, in our life, a negative word is five times more likely to create a pathway in our brain, which means it creates a habit for us than a positive word. It's crazy, isn't it? Makes not, now do you know why the news and social media is all negative? It's because your brain is actually wired to address the negative more than the positive. See, I grew up in the sandwich generation. What I mean by that is, yes, we ate sandwiches. It is what it is. If you don't know nothing about a Spam or a bologna sandwich, you ain't live life. Whatever that is, I'm just telling you a sandwich generation. And it was a compliment, area of improvement, compliment. That is how I led. That is how I was taught and raised. But even that fell short. It should have been five compliments to one improvement. And you know why we don't do that? Do you ever know it's hard to, to look for something good, isn't it? It's because your brain is wired that way. It's because Satan will tell you the bad thing more than the good. It's because the neighbor will go buy the groceries to prove your God wrong instead of you saying, hey, I know who gave you the money to pay for them groceries, right? So all the way through, that's what we have to have. So as we go today and we talk about this, we talk about this weakness, I just want to dive in today as we continue into Romans 12 to say this. Spouses, it's important. We're going to do a relationship series as we do every, in a couple of weeks in February, as we do all the time where I tell you all the correct ways to be married because I'm an expert in it because I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not. We're not. It's not going to be me. We're going to have all kinds of folks here praising God. We're going to be getting that lined up uh, because we just believe every year that what we're going to talk about today is the same thing when it comes to relationships. But let me ask you something, spouses. Uh, if you aren't connected to your spouse, how's your relationship? What I mean by that is if you're not spending time together, if you don't know each other, if you, uh, if you 90 day fiance with Beyonce, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, how's your relationship? Do those usually work out? If you're disconnected from something, does it usually work out? That woman who was at her pantry, if she was disconnected from the Lord, do you think she would have given him praises or would have been all about her neighbor who was just trying to prove her wrong? When we're disconnected from something, we can't flourish. Your relationship can't flourish. So what I'm saying about this and what we're going to be diving into today is Paul is saying, if I'm disconnected to the Lord in my weakness, there's no way that his full strength will be revealed in me. And so that's why we talk about when to dive into the word of the Lord, write his word on our heart, to be praying, to be leaning into him. We have to be connected to him. And so today, that's what we're going to learn through, because today is something for everyone. What we're going to talk about today, everyone has either been affected by or will be affected by. I'm telling you, 
the gospel is for everyone, so I'm just going to start there, period. But everyone, what we're walking through, last week we, we, we kind of dove in even more. We were talking about honor, hope, and hospitality. The week before was an intro. We're going to continue and finish the book of Romans 12 today, uh, and I'm excited about that. But what we're going to talk about is something for everyone. Everyone's been affected by it. Everyone will be affected by it, and everyone has a next step perhaps through it. And it's something that we could talk about all the time. Like, we're going to, you know something at the Vine Church, we're going to talk about relationships around Valentine's Day. Why? Because many times our hope is in either our swipe right or swipe left or what that dinner was or what that looks like. And instead, our hope should be in Christ when it comes to our relationships. So if you're with me, give me an amen. Let's do it. Romans 12. If you got your Bible, get to Romans 12. We're going to start in verse 14. I say it all the time because I mean it. We got a free Bible for you. Uh, give your neighbor the little shove. Don't smack them. That's mean. It's too early in the morning. But give them a little, little elbow if you would like a Bible. Uh, our Vine production team, seriously, Zach Candler, make sure it's going to be on the screen wherever you're watching around the world, uh, even in the house of the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. And as always, as Matt mentioned in the welcome, you can follow along with us on our Vine Church app. Go to the vine.tv slash app. Uh, it'll send you a custom link. It's going to ask you for your phone number, and that is our information hub. It is your way to be connected to the vine so that you can find out what we believe. You can find out what's going on about our ministries. You've got a free Bible in there. You can also take your notes. So here we go. Let's dive into the Word of the Lord, and we could spend all day on verse 14. I just want to let you know this is a verse you wish wasn't in the Bible. Trust me. Because sometimes I'm like, Lord, let me skip to that one. Let me get on down a little bit further. Let's go on and roll on. So here we go. Verse 14. Romans 12, verse 14 says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We like that do not curse one, right? Especially when that curse word slips on the way out the road. But we don't like the first part about that, right? Bless those who persecute you. From those sidewalk prophets, Bon Jovi, shot to the heart right there, right? Like, that is one of the, bless, like, I'm supposed to bless those who persecute me? You mean the, the neighbor who wanted me to fail, the neighbor who wanted to prove God, I'm supposed to bless that person? See, the rest of that story is that woman made him a meal. As a matter of fact, it, that is kind of loosely based off of, off of the Shumanite woman who, you know, the jars of oil and how the oil never ran dry, the pastor story I told you, but... When we read this, I, it is the hardest thing to do as a Christian. I will tell you, it's not I, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You're willing to do that if you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But loving your neighbor as yourself so much so that you'll bless them? And their stray cats, you'll bless them? If you know, you know. Like, and you'll bless them? And their dog that might poop in your yard? You'll bless them where they always get mad at you because they tell you music's too loud? Or you do this, you got to bless them? Bless those who persecute you. But if you really want a barometer of your Christian walk, right now there's a person you're thinking of. I'm, all of us have that. There's a person you're thinking of in your heart right now that is just, they don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve blessing. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's going to work on you because he's worked on me all the way through this week. Slapped me in the face, upside the face, done got hickory switches, brought me outside, gave me the look from the choir and said, listen, you're going to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. And this is how we get to do it as Christians. We're going to walk the walk if we talk the talk. This is a perfect barometer of where we are in our walk with Christ. Do we still hang on to that anger? Or do we bless those who persecute us? Because we read this, persecution, persecution. We don't like that word. That sounds like a bad word, doesn't it? Persecute? 
Man, that sounds awful. Persecution, persecution. Right now, where we are in the West is we have been blessed with Christendom. And what I mean by that is, Jesus, if you don't believe this, this isn't a political statement, it's the truth. Read the Bible, then read the Declaration of Independence, read the Constitution, and see how God is intertwined in that. We've been in Christendom. And our persecution right now is not to diminish where we are because we are blessed. Our persecution right now as a Christian church in the West is to take a shirt off, uh, that says Jesus saves, uh, to not stand up to go to a certain rally or to speak at a certain event, worried about being canceled, that is where we are in our persecution. It is just the beginning stages of where much of the rest of the world is. There are still martyrs around the world right now for the Christian faith. I always think of uh, Jim Elliott, and he was, what, in uh, Honduras or whatever? Like, I always think of him and how he went there. Uh, you always, if you've ever read, read uh, um, I'm getting, I'm missing, my brain is is not going to work right now, but it's okay, we'll get back to it. But Jim Elliott goes and, uh, you know, he was a missionary, he got married, uh, it's experiencing God Bible study, you'll read about Jim Elliott, but he goes and he is actually murdered as a missionary, he's a martyr. Believe it or not, we think persecution's bad, did you know if you're of the Muslim faith and you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can never see your family again, they'll shun you. Hey, if you go and you start a church out there, they'll chop your head off. I'm not minimizing our persecution of cancellation. Persecution is persecution, but the one thing Jesus reminds us of is in this world we will have trouble, but we take heart. We're talking about the heart because he has overcome the world. Persecution is a guarantee as a Christian. And we don't like that. It's supposed to be blessed, right? We're supposed to have the blessing. It's supposed to be full of blessing, but persecution will come. So Paul says in the beginning, as we taught it this week, 2 Corinthians 12, as we start every week, that persecution will show us our weakness. But it will be the platform by which Christ's strength is fully revealed in us. Look back on your life, the persecution you've had, the people that hurt you, the people that pushed back against you. It showed your walk with Christ. And I bet if you leaned into the Lord, you left that situation, that persecution, better than how you were before it. And we don't like that. We just don't like that. I don't like that. You don't like that. Be honest. None of us like that. So, When we read this, verse 14, what do we do with those who persecute us? We bless them. And I ain't talking about about this southern, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Because that means I'm about to do something crazy to you. You break in my house, I'm going to shoot you, bless your heart. I hope you know the Lord because you're going to meet him. Bless your heart. Praise Jesus' name. Like, Bless your heart. Bless your heart. I'm going to bless you by being in the presence of the Lord for eternity. And you decide what you want to do. Bless your heart. I ain't talking about like truly Bless them. Like I said, we could spend a whole time on this, but when we want to bless those who persecute us, bless them and not curse them, we do that only through the strength of Christ because in our own strength, we can't do that. So when we do that, it will require all of our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tent that is our body. So we're gonna move on to verse 15. Look at this. This is where we get excited. This is where we can be fun. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who who mourn. We can wrap our head around that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. I will tell you, I wish I was great at that. I'm so thankful for the people that the Lord has brought to the vine. I'm not the best at celebrating things all the time. I wish I was. I'm just not. I, I know that that's, that's not an excuse. Uh, I try to celebrate in gift giving many times, but like, I'm just not a, I, uh, when, you, when you come in, I'm not that person that's going to bounce off the walls for you. It's just not, uh, if you see that, it is only of the Lord, but I'm not the person that's going to be there doing that. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a great, uh, I guess, cheer- you do not want me in front of everyone taking the field. 
I like to sit at the back and watch everybody trip in front of me. That's just how I roll. It's bad. It's bad on my heart. And I'm supposed to bless those who persecute me, Lord. Bless those who persecute me. Bless those who persecute me. Okay. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Why do we rejoice with those who rejoice? Let me ask you something. Did Jesus stop rejoicing? Hey, uh, water to wine. Every skeptic of Jesus loves to bring this up. Water to wine. Where was Jesus at? He was at a wedding. Have you ever been to a wedding there isn't rejoicing? Even in the craziest of relationships, there's usually rejoicing at a wedding or there probably shouldn't be rejoicing. There probably shouldn't be a wedding, right? Rejoice. Jesus, he rejoiced so hard, people said, oh, he's a sinner. Oh, he does. he's a drunkard. He hangs out with them all the time, don't he? Like all the way through, like a sinner, a drunkard. And so what we reflect Jesus when we rejoice with those who rejoice. We celebrate those that need to be celebrated in and out of the church. We talked about this last week, and I told you I wish I was great at that. I don't do that well. Sometimes it'll come up here in a second. You'll know why. Uh, but sometimes I just I, I want to be better at that, and I try my best to rejoice. Many times it's in the words I write. That is kind of how I do it or a gift that I give. Me, on the other hand, I'm probably more of the lines of mourn with those who mourn. See, church, when I say wherever you are right now in your walk with Christ, if you do trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not engaged in a local church, we belong together, as we talked about last week, because we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. See, all of us are going to face grief this side of eternity unless Jesus brings us home before then, but I promise you all of us will have grief at some moment in time. And as the church, I want to tell you many times, uh, I've been through expected loss, unexpected loss. You probably have been the same. But I want to tell you, sometimes when it comes to mourning with those who mourn, there aren't words. There aren't words. Sometimes you just got to be there. The Jewish tradition was, when someone passed away, for seven days, the pastor, the Levite, the priest would just sit in silence with the person. If, you've ever, if I've ever got to walk through grief with you, sometimes you'll see there aren't really words, but I'll just say, hey, I'm here for you, even if it's just a scream and shout. Because sometimes there just aren't words. See, when we mourn with those who mourn, we just, we're there for them, even if they don't love the Lord. Because you know what? I may not have the words to comfort you, but I do have the word, and that is Jesus. And I'll point you to him. And I'm just going to be there in your presence. So as we celebrate hard, we walk through the hard seasons with those who are stuck in mourning. So we just have to be there. If we want to win within, we just have to be there. This, again, will require all of your time, your talent, your treasure, and your tent. Moving on. Verse 16. One of those other ones. You kind of want to cross some of these out. Here we go. Live in harmony with one another. You fought in the parking lot on the way here. Don't lie. It's all right. That's why we're doing that relationship series in a couple weeks. Uh, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. If we want to win, we got to be okay being with those in low position. In other words, we love saying, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, right? Like that's just in our nature. Like we love to name drop, don't we? Sometimes, like, you know, you just want to, oh, I'm going to show them wrong. You just walk on out. Like, you know, you just said, Ric Flair, boom. Like, you know, you're ready to go. And you just walk on out the room. 
Like you act like you know. We love doing that. It's about our name so many times. I don't care if you were in Christ Jesus, that pride wells up in all of us. We want that. You know how I know that? Even though I'm in Christ Jesus, I have a business. And I want my business to be out there. Like we all have that. We all have some. I ain't talking about drama and stuff. We talk about that in a minute. I ain't talking about all my business. I'm talking about my business business, right? Like, like real estate. Like I want to be out there. I want that to happen. Because if I don't, people don't know I do it, Right? So like all of us have that all the way through as we live in harmony with one another. We don't be proud. We'd be willing to get people of low position. We're not conceited. So let's unpack this a little bit. Live in harmony with one another. What does that look like? A couple weeks ago, Rube, we were talking about the pups and how they belted out a tune. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone like little duggos coming together, belting out a tune, but they have this thing that when they're family, it's called blood harmony. And that's how they differentiate packs. So, like, they have a certain sound. So, like, if you get two of them that have uh, the same bloodline, they'll, they'll sound different than two in a different bloodline, but it'll sound beautiful either way. Like, I'll put it to you this way. That plays out in our life. Our Vine worship team is always awesome, but I can tell you, I, I can tell the folks who are related. It's just crazy if you've ever done that because they have blood harmony. Now, I sing terribly, and I will have blood harmony, and you'll say, God, turn it down. But those who are there, like, we have beautiful harmony, but those who are related, you can hear there's blood harmony. Like, there's just something about it. There's blood harmony. So what I mean by that is blood harmony. Whose blood are we defined by? The blood of this world or the blood of Christ? We have blood harmony. We live at harmony. Most, first and foremost, we've got to live at harmony with other Christians, even if we don't agree with what they agree with. Even if they voted for the people we don't like, even if they go about espousing values fully that we don't fully agree with, as long as it's not in contradiction to the Word of God, we've got to live in harmony with them. And even in contradiction to the Word of God, we live in harmony with them. Because we point them to Him and say, hey, I'm going to help you walk through this. But those who were defined by the blood of the word, uh, world, excuse me, those who were defined by the world itself and don't know Christ as their Savior, we're supposed to live in harmony with them too. In other words, when I say blood harmony, that just, just because somebody's not related don't mean they can't sing together. Right? So we live in harmony. We live at peace. We aren't proud, but we're willing to associate with people of low position and not be conceited. If we want to win, that's what we have to do in 2023 and beyond. Hey, I'm going to say this every time. Are you ready? This will require... All of your talent, your treasure, your tent, and your time. It will require all of that to live this out. <clears throat> you with me? Give me an amen. We're going to keep going. I hear amens. Let's get to 17 and 18. I know we're kind of some starts and stops, but I believe the Lord has something for us. I promise you, hang in here with me to the end because there is something for everyone. <clears throat> 17 is one that I wanted to make sure that wasn't in there either. You don't want to read this verse. You hope the pastor skips by this one too, but here we go. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. <clears throat> Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we follow up being in harmony with everyone and associating with everyone regardless of their position or their title to now we don't repay evil for evil. <clears throat> More on that in just a moment. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, so many times people will take that and misconstrue that when it says be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. It means that we are sensitive to people and where they are in their walk, but it does not mean that we stand in direct contradiction to the word of God. That's the hard part. So many times that doesn't mean that we cave and don't let the gospel go out. Now, Paul, Paul writes also in his, to the letters of the church that he is excited as long as the gospel is preached. It doesn't matter what form in which it's being done. But I just want to say, 
what it means if, if we live at harmony with everyone. Dale Carnegie writes a book I highly recommend reading if you've never read it, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And as you've heard this phrase. This is what he talks about in there. It's easier to catch bees with what? Honey. Honey. Right? Like, busy to catch bees with honey. That's how you live in harmony with everyone. You don't repay evil for evil. You catch bees with honey. You care for to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that you care about them having what your honeycomb is. It means you're going to show them that it is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, because he is the word. That's what you're going to point him to. It's hard to do that when you're mad at each other and fighting, isn't it? Let me ask you something, and I'm just going to be honest, and it's going to make some folks mad, and I'm sorry. I don't want to make you mad. If it's mad, just you can throw something at me, but this is the Holy Spirit here. So, How many people have come to know Jesus because of a social media argument? I'm not lucky enough for that to happen. <laughs> Maybe it has. And by God's grace, I trust the Holy Spirit will work through it. But how many people have been invited to come be a part of what God is doing and there be salvation coming to the house of the Lord? What if Zacchaeus, because he was a tax collector, couldn't climb up his, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, and he couldn't climb up his little sycamore tree, and he wasn't invited? What if everybody said, you're too short to see Jesus? Get down off that tree. What if Jesus was like, can you believe this? Oh, man, what a yahoo. He's climbing up a tree. Instead, what did Jesus do, right? Zacchaeus, come down. Come on, y'all all did it in VBS because I'm coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus goes and he says, look, Lord, I've given everybody back with interest what I've taken from them. And Jesus says, surely salvation has come to this house today. See, that's what we get to share with the world as we do that. So when I say this, we don't repay evil for evil. Everything in our heart wants to. Isn't that it? Like, I want to tell you that is our nature. Like, we want that. Who wants a story where nobody, re nobody takes revenge? Tombstone stinks if Wyatt Earp don't come out there with Doc Holliday and they just go and take the cowboys out. Like, they just go, and, if you don't know that one, Braveheart stinks if Mel Gibson doesn't go beat the British. And then again, the Patriot stinks if he don't go beat the British again. Like, Rocky does not feel good if he doesn't avenge some things. And Apollo Creed seems to be the one he's always avenging. Like, we don't like that. We want to repay evil for evil. I'm telling you, Liam Neeson is becoming the Fast and Furious franchise. We're going to have taken 12. I don't know who else he's going to save in this one, uh, but it's going to be a grandbaby, I'm sure. It's going to be something crazy, but we don't like that if he doesn't use his particular set of skills to find you and kill you. Like, we want to repay evil for evil. We want that. That is what we want. And when we're stuck there, we're Cain and Abel. We're trying to kill. We want blood. So for us, church, for us to live this out, not repaying evil for evil, guess what? It's going to require all of our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tent. Because it goes on in verse 19 through 21. It says, man, do I have to say 19? Do I have? Yes, it's the word of God. What does it say? Do not take revenge. Uh, but they left a blank check out, and they're a jerk. Right? Like, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. <clears throat> On the contrary, oh, can I just skip this, right? On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. What? 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. I've already gave him a meal. Now I got to give him water. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. This is where Christianity pushes back, church. I love this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, the rest of the religions of the world and where our brain is, is if somebody wrongs me, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? That's, some, that's in the word of God, and, and we carry that out. And our, our, we have the Hammurabi Code. We talked about this before, and that plays out in Roman law and our code of ethics and our code of law here in the United States is built off of the Roman law, the code. And that goes all the way back to the Hammurabi Code, uh, and that goes back to that. And it says an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, stone for a stone, right? Like we do all these things for that. We want to take revenge. I want to push back and take revenge. Like I said, those movies stink. Like if Mel Gibson just keeps farming, the Braveheart ain't Braveheart. I don't know what you call it. Heart. I don't know what else. Those 80s rock songs. I told you I was terrible. It's in my brain. Whatever. Uh, Heart. The Patriot wouldn't be the Patriot. It would be the passive dude. I don't know. It wouldn't be a Patriot. We want to take revenge. But instead, what sets us apart as Christians is we leave room for God to do it. See, if you look, it goes all the way back to Deuteronomy when it talks about God doing that and how he will avenge his people. He will take revenge. And so how do we do this and not take revenge? Well, we have to overcome evil with good. And this is, thank you for hanging in here with me, everyone, to get to this point. We laid some groundwork. We got a foundation. This is where it affects everyone. How do we not overcome, or how do we not take revenge, and how do we overcome evil with good? And it's the one word none of us like, really, except for ourselves: forgiveness. Forgiveness, that's what this is all about. That's what it's all about. When we take care of those, we bless those who persecute us, forgiveness. Forgiveness. When we rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, regardless of what they've done to us, is forgiveness. Church, if we want to overcome evil with good, it is all about forgiveness. This is how we win within forgiveness. And right now, again, I'm telling you where we are, forgiveness is a good word if it's just for us, but we don't like giving it to anyone else. This is one of those things, like you hear it in church a lot, and you see it a couple times a year, you know the pastor's going to talk about forgiveness, but it's one of those things we have to wash ourselves with each and every day, because the thing is for us, forgiveness is something that's freely received from the Lord, but it's something that we can only extend if Jesus is our Lord and Savior. But I just want to lay this down, to be quite honest with you. Most of the time, the hardest person for Tyler to forgive is Tyler. Sometimes we have not forgiven ourselves for where we've messed up. And I will tell you, there's an empty tune in a bloodstained cross that says we're forgiven. And it doesn't mean that we have a license to sin and we just want to go on about that. But it does mean for me to fully forgive you, I've got to have fully forgiven myself. And I can't do that. Only Christ can. Right now, there's a person you don't want to forgive. I'm telling you, you don't want to forgive them right now. Like right now, you're just like, oh, Lord, like you're praying right now. Your prayer is, Lord, I'm not asking for anything bad to happen. I just... Lord, please let them take a laxative and have explosive diarrhea. Like, just something bad to happen to them. We want that. But what if instead of experiencing that, an eternal death separated from the Lord, they got to experience the fullness of his blessing just like we do through Christ? 
As we're talking about forgiveness, guys, it's so hard. I will tell you, I go to the 23rd Psalm. I was sharing this in our Bible reading plan this week. It was just washing over me. And here's the thing when it comes to forgiving ourselves. So if you've heard a couple things in church, you know this. John 3.16 is a verse that most people know whether they're in church or not. The 23rd Psalm, if you grew up in Awanas, how's it going? You know what I'm talking about. Prove workmen are not ashamed. You know if you know, you know. Uh, RAs or VBSs or backyard Bible clubs, whatever that looks like. <clears throat> Wherever you are, you know the 23rd Psalm. We've talked about it before. The Lord is my shepherd. You've read it at funerals when you've grieved. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, right? He leads me up. Uh, leaves me a path of righteousness for his name's sake, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's the one we love doing. Y'all are hearing Coolio, and that's not, what, that's not who wrote that. David did. Uh, <laughs> yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they come from me, for thou art with me. And here's where I was getting at in the 23rd Psalm when it came to forgiveness. He prepares the table before me in the presence of who, church? My enemies. And when I have my table before my enemies, which are those who persecute me, then what does the Lord does? He anoints your head with oil, and your cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Before I could fully experience the anointing, I had to be able to break bread with the enemy. And sometimes that enemy is me sitting across from me. Other times it's someone else. But what I'm trying to get to you is instead of buying into the lies that that Satan tells you if you are in Christ Jesus that you're not enough, you'll never be forgiven, you're too screwed up, you never could be used. What if instead when we sat there with the enemy sitting across from us, we reminded him of not only his destiny and where the Lord has already defeated him and where he's going, but we would be reminded of the forgiveness that Jesus had given us. Like when I was going through that this week, I just thought of a, a big old dump truck just rolling on and the forgiveness. Like Lamentations 3 talks about it. His mercies knew everyone. What if every day we just let his forgiveness wash on us, his mercy wash on us? How much more could we give to be overflowing? Because sometimes, I'm going to tell you what, I don't feel that way. I don't want to have his forgiveness. I'm just like, oh. Here we go again. Like, you know what it is? It is what it is. Sometimes we get there. That's why we have to be able to make sure that we know him as our Lord and Savior. So what if his forgiveness was washing over us? And if it does, how much easier is it to extend to others? And we don't like to do it with forgiveness, but let me ask you this. If you did win the lottery, how much easier would it be to give to everybody else, right? But forgiveness is worth so much more. As a matter of fact, at the end of, at the end of life, many people, I will tell you, the number one thing, the regret is forgiveness forgiveness. They want forgiveness for something. They want to extend forgiveness to someone. They want somebody who's not there to be able to give them forgiveness or to be able to tell them that they forgive them. It is one of those things at the end of life. I, I mean, I know you don't, we don't like thinking about this, but it's the truth. So why do we want to wait till the end to do it? Well, we have an opportunity today. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Why? Why? We look the most like Jesus when we live out forgiveness. We don't believe that. See, we want to say, I look the most like Jesus when I'm serving them soup kitchen. I'm doing all this. Like, that's awesome. Nothing wrong with that. But we look the most like Jesus when we ask for forgiveness. Why? Why do we look the most like Jesus? Well, what does Luke 23 tell us Jesus says on the cross as they're casting lots for his garment? He says, Father, what? Smite them. Father, make the, the dice not hit the ground and show them your great work. He says, no, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. 
So that's how we look the most like Jesus. And in light of forgiveness, uh, I'm not going to ask for a poll, but I will say if you've ever read The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, you may or may not have received that at some moment in time. Here at the Vine, if you've ever read that book, one of the things that he rallies around is this verse, Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38, if you read that, and it's this, given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaking, and overflowing upon your lap. For the measure with which you use, it will be measured back to you. That's exciting, right? Give and you will give. We love that. Hey, so if I give all I got to the Lord, it's going to come back to me overflowing. But you got to look to Luke 6, 37 as well, and it says this, do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn or you will be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Then it goes to that fun part about giving. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken, and overflowing upon your lap. For the measure with which you use will be the measure with which is given to you. So let me ask you this. What if the fullness of God's forgiveness didn't have to wait until eternity? What if the measure with which you received God's forgiveness today is the measure with which you give God's forgiveness today to which the measure with which it comes back to you? Can you imagine that? What if God's dump truck of forgiveness that through Christ Jesus that fell on you, you just said, man, I'm overflowing. I ain't got enough of this. It's better than the lottery. Let me give some of this to you today. How much greater would we be? How much more could we win? How much more could we point to Jesus? Jesus talks about forgiveness all the way through, and it's hard for us because in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, if you ever read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, I think it's around 35, 36, it talks about divorce and oaths and love and action and all that crazy good stuff. But in Matthew 5, Jesus says it this way. He says, if you have a gift, an offering, and you bring it to the altar, your tithe, hey, this is why I wasn't a cheerful giver all the time. Maybe you're missing out. You say, Lord, I tithe, I give an offering, I don't feel no blessing. Well, let me ask you this. Matthew 5, he said, if you have a gift and your brother or sister has an offense against you, you have not forgiven them, you are to leave your gift at the altar, go be reconciled to them, then you bring your gift to the Lord. We don't like that. Like, this is what I gave. Woo! Like, let's do it. But Jesus says, hey, if you want to give with a cheerful heart, be made right with those who you've wronged and who have wronged you. We don't like that, man. We don't like that. So in other words, the fullness of the blessing of giving the gift comes from our aptitude to surrender him to him for forgiveness. So, it's a lot on forgiveness. But when we repay good for evil, do you know what it really does for us? It washes our hands the burden of having to carry that revenge your hands are free. You give it to God. And that atheist next door goes and buys you groceries. And then you get to cook them a meal and point them to him. When you wash your hands of it, do you know how freeing that is? See, once again, burden. We don't like that word burden, right? Burden, it, it, it is a negative term, but look, we're going to flip it. We're here in a second. We're going to go back to that dump truck. Burden, it's a negative, negative term. We don't like that. Burden. I'm burdened. I'm weighed down. I'm weighed down. I'm weighed down in my grief. I'm weighed down in my, my, my uh, worry and my anxiety. I'm weighed down. I'm burned by it. But when we take that burden, we give it to the Lord, he gives us his burden. You know what his burden is? Yes and amen. His burden is his promise heaping upon us, his peace overwhelming us. That is his burden for us. And I don't know about you, I'd much rather be burdened 
with his peace and yoke to him because I'm weary and heavy laden and he will give me rest than me trying to figure out, okay, well, I got to go to this to that person. That's to that's blah, 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 blah. Like, I can't do that. Like, if you know me, like, once again, as, as we're wrapping this up when it comes to forgiveness, now, I want you to understand when it comes to forgiveness, this is not a pass for abuse. Sometimes you have to be at arm's length distance in a relationship. And that's okay. But I'm telling you, if you really want to experience healing and freedom today, you have to forgive that person. And you let the Lord repay as he says he will repay. Because so many times we get stuck here. I, I will tell you, I say this, and I told you there's always a soundtrack in my head. And I promise you, there's worship, worship music that comes in my head because uh, that little reference I made to the cross and Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. I went old school, Easter cantata. They're playing games at the foot of the cross. If you know, you know, YouTube it later. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You ain't never been there. If you ain't never seen it, it is what it is. You'll know what happens. I was washing my hands. Our pilot was always there where the little organ pipes were, like the little organ speaker where they used to be. You know, pilot would be set up in that little cantata screen and you would see him do that and he would disappear back in there like in my brain I promise you there's worship music but then I'm gonna make you mad here in a second and say when it comes to forgiveness you know what forgiveness also frees you up of drama you know where I like drama on my tv screen I don't like drama and the words of those sidewalk prophets the black eyed peas no no drama no 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 drama drama don't look that song up that's bad Fergie was talking about a bad don't don't do that I told you you're gonna you're gonna no, it is what it is I don't like no drama Forgiveness frees me of drama because I don't have to worry about paying them back. You ever have that? You're at a meal and somebody pays. What's the first thing you want? Look, for me, it is my pride and my sin. I'm going to have to pay them back. They're like, no, 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 it's a gift. Oh, I'm like Sheldon. Like, what? God, convention says now I have to give you a gift back. Like, oh, like, right? That is what it is. But when we forgive others, how about that? When they repay us evil, I don't have to repay them evil. I can just say, you know what? Jesus loves you. I know you don't get this right now. Jesus loves you, and I do too. And I may not agree with the lifestyle you're living. I may not agree with what you're doing, but I want you to always know that Jesus loves you, and I love you too. How much more forgiveness could that be in the world? Let me tell you, that just disarms social media, doesn't it? What if instead we just tried to give the 17 reasons and we build our theological statement about why this is against God? There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus has gifted people to do that. That's awesome. But instead, wouldn't it just be great to say, hey, Jesus loves you and I do too. They won't respond to that. It won't get engagement. People are going to get mad. But if we do that, how much easier would it be? We just, and we just, I promise you that person is going to private message you, send you a message about something and say, why did you say that? What's going on? And then that's the platform. To the world that looks weak, but in Christ it is strength. So if you get nothing out of today, one more time. To live a life of forgiveness will take all of your time, your talent, your treasure, and your tent. It will take all of you. And so right now, I just want to say, maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're stuck in unforgiveness. Each and every day is an opportunity to lay that down to the Lord. But today specifically, I don't know your heart. I promise you, because I, I can feel it in my throat now. <laughs> all of us have someone we need to forgive. All of us do. All of us have wronged someone whether we want to admit it or not. It's easy to talk about the offense the person has against us, but it's really hard to talk about where we've hurt others, right? We don't like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when I say like, hey, sometimes I'm my own worst enemy, I will tell you many times you can't criticize me hard enough because that's easy compared to what I say about me. <laughs> Real easy. What if we just laid that to the Lord today and we walked in his forgiveness? What if today we laid that down and trusted him? And if it's wrong, 
then he will avenge it. See, right now, maybe you're a skeptic of Jesus, wherever you are, and, and you're, you're, you're trying to figure out, like, you're mad at, and you're angry at God for something. You, God didn't answer your prayer. He didn't heal that cancer. He didn't save that person from a, from a wreck, or he didn't save that relationship. Wherever you are, you're frustrated and mad at God because how could God do this to me? Yet in the same breath, you will say God doesn't exist and that God is unfair. And I just want to tell you, I want an unfair God. I want a just God, not a a God that's fair. We don't like that. You see, a fair God would be Jesus on the cross and the two criminals and one making fun of him and the other saying, you are Lord, and Jesus says, I'll see you in paradise today. See, that person wouldn't be able to get in if God was fair. Because what did he do? He just happened to be in the right place at the right time, right? He just happened to get the winning lot of it. I don't want a fair God. I want a just God. What do you mean by that? A just God. God's wrath will fall for sin. He will make all wrongs right, period. I want a just God. You know why? Because I know when I give everything to him and walk in his forgiveness as he's given me, all wrong will be made right. I want a just God because a God who is unjust laughs at racism. He laughs at prejudice. He laughs at rape, at murder, at genocide. An unjust God does that, and my God is not unjust. He is just. And because he is just, there is a penalty that has to be paid for my sin. But God loves me enough that I don't have to pay for it if I freely receive his forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. We call that mercy unreceived penalty through God's mercy I want a just God I want all things I want every tear wiped away I don't want sickness I don't want that I don't want death for my sin I want to be able to heap burning coals on others right like you want vengeance love them and God says hey that'll put the burning coals on them and I don't know about you I know charcoal is supposed to do something but burning charcoal is probably going to leave a mark I don't know wherever you are like I want the Lord to be able to do that so wherever you are right now you may be stuck in unforgiveness and I just want to say if you are in Christ Jesus remember he forgave us first we can easily forgive others it's hard I say easily it is hard it is hard. Like I said, it's one of those, I just want to walk, yeah, just skip over Rome, this part of Romans 12. It's just scoot on to 13. Like, no. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. See, here's the thing. God is just, and his wrath will fall for our sin. Why does his wrath have to fall for our sin? Because it's the only way we can be in right relationship, connected with him, the way that he created us to be. And so really easily, I know I say I don't like when pastors say this at time to time, but this is just the God's honest truth. God's wrath will fall on sin no matter what. The question is, will his wrath for sin fall fully upon us? Or will we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior and know that his wrath fully fell on Jesus on the cross? Either way, his wrath is falling. We have the choice. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus know that his wrath has fallen on Christ for us. And we confess and repent of our sin and we trust him as Lord of our life to say, Lord, it don't make sense why I should forgive that person, but because you call me to, I will. Lord, it don't make sense why I should give to that person, but because you call me to, I will. Lord, it doesn't make sense why I have to get with that person of low position, uh, but, but I'm gonna do it because you called me to it. What a drama-free life that we can live in the Lord. We don't have to repay anybody. That, 
That don't mean don't pay your bills. I'm not telling you any of that crap. Like, uh, I'm saying we don't have to repay evil for evil. And I don't know about you, but if I don't have to keep my crap list, I get to have my blessed list, my thankful list. And that's what I want us to be able to live out and how we can win. Because here's the thing that I want to say. If you are considering Jesus, Paul writes in Romans 5, verse 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, when we were weak, when we were dead in our sin, church, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, whether we received his forgiveness or not, he overcame evil with good for us. Even if we reject him fully, he lays it down before us and says, you can be freely forgiven, and then through that free forgiveness of Christ, fully be able to forgive someone else. Or you can spend the rest of your life stuck in unforgiveness and bitterness and never experience real victory. And so the question is, Will you trust Jesus today? For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, will you trust Jesus, that person he's calling you to forgive? I don't know what next step he's telling you to take for that. It might be a text message. It might be a phone call. It might be a, it might be a, a, a social message, a social readout, whatever that is. Trust him in that. For those who have never considered him, I just want to say as, as you were building up your crap list as you are building up your revenge tour and your revenge list how's that going for you because i promise you it's exhausting if you get anything from today nothing today is about try 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 the one word that you have to tarry home with you today when it comes to forgiveness is this surrender 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 we're about to pray this prayer in faith for a moment. And what we are doing is we are surrendering lordship of our life to Christ. That's all of us. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. We are surrendering it to the Lord. And through that, we get to have clean hands. We, we, we get to be who we were fully created to be. We don't have to worry about all that drama and all that mess and all that frustration because the Lord's over all of it. And so with every head bow and every eye closed, wherever you are today, we pray, this, we pray this prayer out loud for the benefit of those coming to faith for the first time. And so we're gonna pray this. It's not the words of this prayer, it's the faith. It's the surrender to Christ that we are receiving his forgiveness for God's wrath for our sin, that death that we deserve for our sin. So with every head bow and every eye closed, please repeat these words out loud after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life that I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And with every head bow and every eye closed, and for the first time, you can say you have fully surrendered your life to Christ. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three.
three. If you're in the house, would you raise your hand? If you're online, you may see a hand that's raised. You may just put a raised hand in the comments. If you're listening throughout the week, you can shoot us a message. You can reach out to us at prayeratthevine.tv or 864-580-6698. Whatever that looks like, we would love to celebrate this decision with you. But also, we would love to get you connected with a local church. And for the rest of us, you can look up. We're about to, we're about to worship and go back continue into the throne room of the Lord and I just want to say it's heavy today's heavy forgiveness is heavy but I just want to ask you this as we go into worshiping the Lord would our words be yes I will if God calls you to reach out to that person yes I will Lord if God calls you to bless that person who persecutes you yes I will Lord yes I will so as we sing would these be our words as we enter in his presence stand and sing with us The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late, working all things out, working all things out. Yes, I will get too high in the lowest valley. Your name. Yes, I will. 
We're so thankful that you were here with us today and worship with us. Uh, I'll just give you a little funny here. I didn't know if I was going to make it through the curtain there. And I said, yes, I will. But for real, for real, whatever you are, uh, hey, all Jesus' promises and all God's promises are yes and amen. And if his promises are yes and amen, whatever he calls us to, he'll see us through. We can say, yes, I will. So wherever we go through this week, I promise you, if he's called us to take a step of forgiveness of ourself for something Jesus has already made clean or for others where they have wronged us or persecuted us, if we walk in that this week, we will reflect him clearly. And I will tell you, as we do that, we will be a greater part of him building his kingdom. So that being said, we'd love to see your smiling face next week. We got chairs. We got uh, zero calorie food, even though it says different on the wrapper, we pray different. It is what it is. Uh, we got zero calorie food. We love to see your smiling face as we continue how to win within. Have an awesome week and always remember the best is still yet to come.